Welcome to Shared Interest, the podcast where a couple shares their interests of the week with each other. I'm Felicia. I'm James. This is our second episode. This episode two. This is our two. second episode. That's it. Um, okay. What are you talking about this week? I sent you my articles. I have two. One, one of which is like a hot button news thing that I want to talk about, and it's a legal issue. Mm-hmm. Which is the um, the news story about Michael Orr and mm-hmm. the Tuies from the movie The Blind Side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, my cousin Gally wanted me to talk about a business that inspired me. And this business doesn't necessarily inspire me, but it's something that is interesting. And I learned a lot about it when I was doing some research. And so I'm going to talk about Publix grocery stores. Publix is an inspiration to you? No, not really. But are they are. They're an interesting company. As an acknowledgement in your first book. I'm going to share some uh, some interesting facts about them. Okay. Um, I am talking about a new canned bevy that's made its way onto the marketplace. And um, a game I've been playing. Do you want to start this week? I think I started last week. Okay. I'll Go start. Okay. So we're going to talk about The Blind Side. Okay. Right? Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah. Who hasn't seen it? Everybody has, right? It's a really famous movie. Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for it, right? Um, So she plays the mom. Leanne Tui is her Mm -hmm. name. The family's name is the Tuies. Mm -hmm. They are from Mississippi, right? Tennessee. What? Wait, are they? No. They're They're from from Mississippi. Yeah, they're from Mississippi. (laughs) Then why does it say they petitioned a Tennessee court? Because he probably lives in Tennessee now. Okay, never mind. I don't know. Okay. Like I said, I was tr- so I was trying to find the petition and I couldn't find the petition today. But essentially, what happened was um, Michael Orr makes it seem like the way their relationship was portrayed in the movies was a total and complete fabrication, essentially. Which and like was kind of known. Like he's already come out and said that before this whole thing happened. Has he? I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, I I think it was known that like he, he wrote doesn't really have a relationship with them anymore, and the way that uh, he was portrayed and the relationship was portrayed was not exactly accurate. It was, but very, I want to say very like fairy taleish. Oh right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like like they were the twoies were painted as these uh, saviors. Yeah, basically. So okay, keep going. Um, but it kind of just, the way this ESPN article makes it sound is just like, um, first off that, you know, Michael found the school that he went to, um, totally on his own. Like he was introduced by a family friend. Right. And they kind of cover that in the movie right at the very beginning. Right. Remember when they're like playing basketball out in the schoolyard and yeah. the guy's trying to convince the principal to take him in. Yeah. That I think is real, and Michael. Oh yeah, yeah, that's how he he got into he got into the school. School, but then like after that, like it makes he makes it seem that it's just like he was friends with the son Sean Junior, right, and just kind of like spent a couple nights over at their house because he came from like such an impoverished background, and it was so, and he did this with like lots of people in his school, right? Yeah, and he well also him and SJ were closer in age than the movie portrayed, right? I don't. I or were they like so? actually like like SJ in the movie is like eleven and Michael yeah, Orr is like I don't know exactly how old 18. he is. That's but so he's the kid. Um, so no, I think their father came out and spoke. It wasn't the son. Didn't you say you saw the son speak about this? Yeah, on Barstool Radio. I never found that video. Can Did you, you find you it, it for me? Yeah. Um. So I found something that um 
Sean Tui said, like the father said, but not Sean Jr. Uh, but it's like a total mess, man. Like they claim to, so the Tuies claim that Orr came to them for like $15 million a couple weeks ago. And like are basically claiming it's a shakedown. It's an hour and 40 minute podcast. And this is like recent? Yeah, this is from four days ago. Wow. It was, oh, okay. So I have a timestamp for it. SJ Tui, brother to Michael Orr on Orr's lawsuit against the family. I don't think it's really important, but keep going. Well, what did he say? Do you remember what he said? I didn't watch it. I just saw that he went on and like talked. Oh, Everyone was like, why would he go like, on and talk without a lawyer? Like, he just... went on and talked without a lawyer present or like a lawyer around to help in the middle of this like lawsuit happening, which I don't know if that was the smartest idea. But I don't know. They kind of seem they're like um, they're playing it. They're playing a very like lovey dovey and close to the chest. Still, they're saying like, "Oh my god, we still love Michael." The twoies. Yes, the yeah. twoies are. Yeah. Um, which kind of just makes me think they're doing it for well, publicity. Explain sake, the case. Right? So, what is he? What is Michael claiming? So he's legally? claiming that when he turned eighteen, the twoies said that they were going to adopt him. Right. The twoies said they were going to adopt him when he turns eighteen and graduates high school. Um, because he was like spending a little bit more time around their house than he was others. Like as he, as his football prowess developed and he started getting attention from colleges, like the two E's started to like open up their doors a little bit more and, you know, try and take advantage of that essentially. And, um, so at 18, he graduates college and they kind of like, one thing this article talks about is how, unintelligent the movie portrayed him as and he's actually not that way he's actually like a really smart and sharp guy yeah but um so he turns 18 and the twoies convince him that because he's 18 they can't legally adopt him and so they offer him a conservatorship right right again i was not able to find this document apparently michael Orr, michael Orr retired in 2016 after that he got a lawyer a new lawyer and just like started going through his affairs now that he was retired and like could think about it. Right. And they unearthed this conservatorship document for the first time in February of this year. Mm -hmm. And that's when they like started to put together their lawsuit. Uh, and he like, he said he was devastated to find out that he had no familial rights. Like he wasn't a member of their family. Mm -hmm. So what is he? Again, I don't know if this is true because I haven't seen the document. Right. So what does he want? What is he suing them for? I don't know. I haven't seen the document. Damages, familial rights, rights to the movie, proceeds, any money that they've made off his image and likeness. He wants to bar them from um, using his image and likeness any further, right? You know, they right. obviously can't, like, write books about him or stuff like right. that. Like, Well, it also, like, it helped to launch them, like... Um, yeah, you know, they fly around the country Leanne on private Tui, planes yeah, Leanne doing, Tui like, is author like deals a motivational, motivational speaker. Like, like, she wouldn't have that career if it wasn't for the movie, honestly. Um she actually it's like quite, spoke it seems to quite very I remember being in college she came and like spoke to some Really? I was on in some like academic fraternity that she uh like I wasn't seeing her in person it was like a uh, streamed. Uh-huh. But it was like an event we all had to go to and she was someone that came and talked about like you know working through stuff helping others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing of substance. Being a white savior. Remember, but yeah, it it's not a good look. It is not a good look for the Tuies. It's not. I wish Michael would like. I don't. Know, 
come out and speak, right? Like I know. What's interesting is like I wish the, I hear what he the had actor to say. Who, who played him has spoken on it. Like really? Yeah. Like he was asked about it, and it's like everyone else has spoken about it, but he hasn't come out himself and spoken. I think he's probably like released statements via. Well, like I said, but... he wrote a book. I think he like took a break from playing in the NFL for a year or two and wrote a book while he was in free agency or something like that. Yeah. And he didn't say any of this, right? Like he like you said, he kind of alludes to like their relationship not being as strong anymore yeah. and you know, kind of seems like they're just like gallivanting around the country off the money they made from the movie right. and like his his name and image right and he didn't really get any of that right what's also interesting is if you remember from the movie when he was this is specifically talking about the movie i don't know if if or how this happened in real life i think an investigator from some federal agency came and interviewed him when he was deciding between what colleges to go to they were a lot of colleges were offering a lot of southern colleges were offering him football scholarships and do you remember, like, that investigator came and talked to him about, like, if the Tuies were persuading him to go to... Yeah, like, if they were boosting. Ole Miss. Right? Or if he was choosing that because he wanted to go to there. Like, that was part of the movie. I don't know yeah. how realistic that was in real life, if that actually happened or how it actually happened. I, I don't know. I, I can speak to that from personal experience. I don't know if... From personal experience? Yes, not being you boosted. You boosted? No. Um... So I don't know how this relates to this story specifically, right? Okay. The the wars and the twoies, right? But um you know, the FBI definitely looks into like boosting operations and like college sports stuff and really? you know, especially now with gambling now th- involved. Oh, I was gonna say especially now with um the NIL Now the athletes can be paid. Student yeah. athletes can be paid for endorsements and stuff like that. Yes. Um although that would kinda make me think that they care less about boosting. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. That's what I got. Interested to see how this all plays out. I'm sure we'll be hearing about it once it gets to court or if they settle. So the the petition was filed in Shelby County, Tennessee probate court, right? Okay, Um, so what does that mean? Family court, you know, family and estate courts. But is it a civil case? Like he's looking for money? Yes. It's not a criminal case. Not yet. But it could be. If it's discovered that they did something criminal, I guess they want to be. Someone wants to prosecute them. Okay. Um, Interesting. You know, maybe if they maybe like they uncover that they are boosters and this is like a you know a an operation so to speak. I don't know. That's totally speculative, but yeah, you know who knows. That's right. what I got. Interesting. I'm gonna stay on top of it. Yeah, report back. I want to find the actual well, petitions and yeah. the documents. Is it not public record right now? Public. Public. You need some. You need like the docket number. You need some more information. I wish someone would just post a PDF of it. But oh, okay. Who knows? I, I don't know if it's public. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What is your favorite drink to order from anywhere in the whole world? Coke Zero. No. Oh. <laughs> I really thought I was going to get you. On <laughs> what do you mean? No. What's your favorite? You're going. You're going to go out and get a, a drink, not like something to drink. Like a cocktail. No. <laughs> A beer? No. What? You're hiding, what the, ba- your you're most, hiding the ball on me. What is your most ordered beverage of all time ever that you ever order? Water? Ever? No. <laughs> For you specifically, not the world. You. Coke Zero? I no. Don't, what? You're, you drink it. 
You would drink it every day. It, it would flow through your veins if you would, if it was humanly possible. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is really sad. You're going to be sad when I tell you. What? A Dunkin' iced coffee. Oh, of course. Yeah. I don't, I can't, I don't have access to it anymore. Yeah, down right? here. We, we I was, li- honestly, I was literally thinking about going to get us Dunkin' iced coffee tomorrow oh. morning. Oh, because our coffee wasn't, our not, coffee Not this morning, to... tomorrow. Um, okay. Well, that didn't, I thought, I really thought you were going to know exactly what I was talking about right okay. now. But is this a new canned beverage and it's Dunkin' iced coffee? So, well, actually. Can we get a couple? I, I can request samples. Um, but Dunkin' just released or it's coming out in august the end of august uh a line of spiked iced coffees and teas spiked yeah. Ooh, with Boozy. what so uh the Bailey's. coffee comes actually that's a really good question i have no idea what like it's spiked irish with. whiskey irish cream made with they have spiked canned coffees yeah. and spiked canned teas teas interesting so two different I would say that's probably vodka and the teas, right? They are... Okay, I'll just... I, I'm not exactly sure what exact... I'm not exactly sure <laughs> what alcohol is in them because it doesn't tell you. They're not on the market yet, so it doesn't have an ingredients list. Um, FAQs. Let's see if that's enough. What type of alcohol is in the Dunkin' Spike? Dunkin' Spiked iced coffees and teas are flavored malt beverages, which means it's fermented. Isn't that the opposite of spiked? Spiked is like... Added to. Spiked is the name of the brand. It's called Dunkin' Spiked. Okay. I think it's because it's. It, I think it has nothing to do with. Okay, I was just how it's about, made and everything to do with how just, cool that name sounds. I was being okay. Um, so the coffee comes in four fla- four flavors: mocha, original, vanilla, and caramel swirl. Caramel. Whatever. Same thing. <laughs> um, and it's six percent ABV. The teas come also in four flavors: slightly sweet, half and half, which I think is lemonade and tea strawberry dragon fruit and mango pineapple and they're going to be five percent abv and they're going to be available in only 12 states but one of the states is florida is florida lovely uh massachusetts massachusetts obviously okay um this makes me think like you could there's like a spiked beverage for literally every time of the day i was gonna say there's like the spike the um canned it's a bubble alcoholic beverage uh what am, what's the space word? yeah is still ex- phenomenon still exploding like, like I said, yeah it's like a bubble like now every, it's just like crazy it's, there's it's, gonna be like yeah. four loco seltzer well it's like, beyond like, it's beyond like all these boozy brands all these booze brands getting into the canned beverage space yeah, now it's just regular it's, it's brands regular doing, brands yeah, getting like, into the, it's the gonna be like space. burger king whopper seltzer yeah <laughs> like they yeah they do we just we just wrote a story on a pickled Clausen put out uh, a collab with a company called Spritz Society where they did a pickled canned wine. It was a canned wine. That's absurd. I know. Yeah, that's like like late stage. I'm curious. That's a purple ketchup stuff. You love Dunkin'. I do. Dunkin' is like your top brand, your top fast food. One of the best brands in the world. Yeah. You don't talk about their ready to drink. I don't. Beverages at all. I don't drink them. Have you tried them? Do you like them? What do you think about them? Because I, so they're usually like my go-to road trip if I can't get a real Dunkin'. If I can't get a real Dunkin' when I'm on the road and I'm driving and like I can only go to like a convenience store or a rest stop on the highway yeah. and have to grab, you know, it's like those Starbucks frappuccinos, right? If the Starbucks and the Dunkin' Donuts are right next to each other, I'll go for the Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. 
Um, but they're not, I don't find them particularly good or satisfying. Um, I'm, I'm always, I'm always skeptical of a canned beverage because they, of a new canned beverage that like claims to be flavored in a certain way, because I feel like if I had to guess, this is going to taste like a spiked coffee, but I feel like it's going to taste very thin. Is it carbonated? And I don't believe so. It does have what caffeine. About the teas are the teas carbonated? I don't think so. That's weird. I can't drink a canned beverage that's, that's not carbonated. That's well. I think I... Um, so. Like, if I were to get this, it's kind of like I need the. I think they're also playing on the popularity of the espresso martini. So I think if we were to get these, which I will try to get them, I would make like a cocktail. I would do like um, I would not drink it out of the can. No. I would put it into a glass with some ice, maybe add some cream, maybe some Baileys if you want to up the booze. That sounds good. But I would, what I would do, these these seem like a, a golf course beverage to me. Like, oh, like, like early, early morning, in the morning, like a mimosa, day drinking. Mary kind yeah. of. But they're like easy. You, you don't get. have to make it. You just grab a 12 pack of them from the store, I right? Do see these Throw them in the cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like you have them on the golf course or the beach or like. Are there you know, other canned boozy coffee beverages on the market? There probably none are, but none, none that are as yeah. pervasive as Duncan. Yeah, like I'm sure maybe Bailey's has something like that or, you know, like yeah. a, you know, standardized breakfast Irish coffee or something yeah. like that. But interesting. But I'm interested to see how Dunkin these Dunkin' Donuts taste. is like kind of light and sugary and the teas sound refreshing I as also well. don't know if they're going to be sweet. They also, one of my favorite products from Dunkin' Donuts is the coladas in the summer, like the frozen yep. slushies, essentially. You like right? a frozen coffee, yeah. I do. Um, is, that, is that considered a culotta? No, that's a frozen coffee. The culottas are like the fruit-flavored ones. They're mm-hmm. like blue raspberry and like, you know, cherry and stuff Ooh, like that. Three, three. There's nowhere within five miles of our zip code that we can buy them yet. But like, I'll like see. you said, you can write, write to I will. Dunkin' Baskin. I'll Bottles. see if they can have some to sent to us. All right. um, but they will not be available in regular Dunkin' stores for those who are wondering. Like, you can't go into a Dunkin' and order a Dunkin' Is that because they have alcohol in it? They yes. can't sell alcohol at the Dunkin' Donuts? Correct. I don't think Dunkin' has a liquor license. <laughs> well, do you need a liquor license to sell things that are... Depends on the state. Yeah, it depends on the state. Um, okay. One of my favorite things about Dunkin' Donuts is, like, their franchise model, ah! right? And, yeah. like, how they uh, they allow for, like, local small business owners to get in the game and have some stake and... Uh, is their franchise business model different than other fast food franchise business models? No. Not, so it's not significant. Your regular smegular yeah. fast uh, food. There's nothing that franchise. special about it, okay. I don't think. You just like the franchise business model in general. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think it works really well for Dunkin' Donuts and okay. coffee shops like yeah. that. Um, well, especially because they have such a brand loyalty in New England. Yeah. And also just because like, a coffee shop is generally someplace you like visit every day. And so yeah. it works better in like a insular model yeah. like that. Okay. Um, Okay. So Is this you segueing into your next story? Exactly. Okay. So, um, I want to talk about Publix, right? I've been wanting talk to talk about Publix all day, every day. So I've been wanting, I've been wanting to like dig into this for a while and like learn about Publix because it's such a integral part of the community here. Like yep. every single neighborhood has a Publix. It's a there it's are a cultural phenomenon. It's it's a cult grocery store. I wouldn't call it a cult grocery store. Okay. I would call it a cult grocery store. I think that's a little unfair. It's No, it, I don't 
mean that with a negative connotation. I mean it like Wegmans has a cult following. Trader Joe's has a cult following. People will go out of their way to go there to get certain things that that grocery store has. I guess so. I guess, yeah. A lot of grocery stores probably have followings like that then, right? Trader Joe's. Yeah. Walmart, maybe. Walmart is not a cult grocery store. <laughs> Whatever. Um, anyway, okay. I'm gonna, I found this article that is a brief history of Publix. Okay. And it's from the Miami New Times. It's a little old. It's like four years old or something okay. like that, but it's really interesting. So one thing that I learned that was new, This is so this is kind of inspiring, right? Gally wanted me to talk about an inspiring business. Publix is the largest. He gave you a prompt. Yes. Um, Publix is the largest employee-owned business in the world. Employee-owned business in the world. Okay, yes. what does that mean? Exactly? So they pay their employees with ownership, right? Like... Not exclusively. They obviously pay them wages, too. But, like, okay. they pay them in stock, in public stock. Okay. That's right? interesting. Yeah. Um, the company was started in 1930 by a guy named George Jenkins. You go into our local Publix on 8th Street, and you can see a picture of George Jenkins hanging in the back. Is there a picture of him in every Publix? I would imagine so. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... This guy, he, he, it, it was founded in 1930, right after the Great Depression, yep. right? And this guy, George Jenkins, his father owned like a general store in like a cotton town in Georgia, right? Like, um, but they didn't sell any food in, in the store, right? It was just like knickknacks and things from like other distrib- other distributors in the area, right? Mm-hmm. All coming, bringing in into this town. And he grew up working and like he, like developed a love for like business right and this in like retail customer service etc and um but he kept trying to like get his dad to get food in there and sell it to people but everyone in the town grew their own food still right mm-hmm. it was like farm town basically um this is before like what we think of modern day grocery stores were even there was no such really thing, a thing as a as a grocery store right okay but, um and it's gonna. This is gonna talk about our shared and tie into our shared interests later. But um, okay. So he leaves the store run by his father, and he goes off to college, and he studies engineering. Right? He didn't even plan on like running grocery stores or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he was at college, he worked as like a clerk at a real estate firm to just like pay his bills, get him through. Right. And while he was working, like he didn't really get an engineering job after he graduated, because right when he graduated, it was the Great Depression, pretty much, right? Like it was the 1920s and late 1920s, and the entire world was ending. Um, but he heard a lot about South Florida real estate at this firm, right? And uh, he came down. He drove. He had a friend who had a car from Georgia, and he drove down. He went to like Georgia Tech for college, I think, and he. Drove down with his friend with only $9 in his pocket at the start of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And he got down That's to like... all these businesses start. Yeah, exactly. And he got down to like the Tampa area. And he didn't buy any real estate with his $9. But he was offered a job at the Piggly Wiggly. Which is a grocery store. It's like the first grocery store, right? Okay. Like the first chain grocery store-ish. Wasn't a supermarket yet, right? Um, so... He gets this job, he starts working there, and they sell food, right? And he starts to learn about it a little bit more. He takes what he learned from his dad's store in Georgia, kind of applies it here. But he's still, like, having the same problem he's having with his dad, where he's, like, trying to make changes and make the business run better and more effectively. But um, 
He couldn't do it. The guy would have let him. So one thing that was interesting about Piggly Wiggly, right? It was the first store that was like self-service, right? Okay. So like the customers walked into the store, got all their things, put it in the basket, brought oh, it to the Oh, you go to the aisles and do the shopping yourself yes, as, as opposed, opposed to, to before a, that. They, there's, everything's behind the counter. Yep. They brought a list to the clerk and then the clerk goes behind the counter and picks okay. out all the things and brings it back to them, right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. And um, George Jenkins really loved that model, self-service. But he still had trouble, like, he like the Piggly Wiggly wasn't kept clean. They didn't, you know, like, stage product well. They didn't have good customer service. Mm-hmm. Like, so he wanted to implement a lot of changes and was constantly, like, pushed off by the owners. Mm-hmm. So he literally opened Publix next door to Piggly Wiggly. Okay. <laughs> like, he quit in 1930. Wait, is this why it's called Publix? What do you mean? Is this why? Why Publix? It's an employee-owned. No, so it's called Publix. It's named after a. It's it. He shared the name like, with a local uh, cinema chain or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I discovered another article about where the okay. name comes Not from, but it wasn't story. wasn't okay. that interesting. Okay, okay. Um, whatever. So one of the things that is great about Publix, and comes from his like sort of uh, background with his father, is that they really put an emphasis on hiring senior citizens and disabled people, mm-hmm. right? And giving them an opportunity to work, mm-hmm. um, which is something I never really noticed about Publix. Like I never really, like I've been in a Publix and I never thought twice about the type of people that, that were working there. They might be a little bit older or disabled. Like it never, I never even noticed, which I guess is a testament to how like great the stores are run for mm-hmm. the most part. Like I have not been in a poorly run Publix that is in true. In my life. Like, Publix, every Publix I've ever been into is mm-hmm. super nice, clean, well-kept. Customer service is great. Never have to wait long in a line. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, And like I was thinking, if we didn't have our Publix here, I don't know where. Like, This would be a total food desert. We'd have nowhere to go grocery shopping. They serve like a really essential community function. I don't know if I would go so far as to call it a food desert, but if... We don't have a car, so <laughs> the fact that we have a Publix that's within 10 minutes walking is super helpful for us. Um, but yeah, I I love Publix. And if I grew up around a Publix, as like, if Publix was my childhood grocery store, I would have an intense loyalty to it in the same way that I have an intense loyalty to a Wegmans. Yeah. The, the, so... There's the first public store that he opened, like, right next to that Piggly Wiggly. And then later, a couple of years later, he bought what is commonly known as, like, the first supermarket in America, one of the first supermarkets in America. And uh, it was the first supermarket in history to have automatic sliding glass doors and air conditioning. Oh, wow. Right? Um, they use a lot of, like, Art Deco designs in some of their buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's interesting is that they always, they still keep an open door policy. So like any employee in the company can talk to the CEO and the owners mm-hmm. and like make suggestions just like George Jenkins wanted to at the Piggly Wiggly, right? But wasn't allowed to. Mm-hmm. George Jenkins is no longer with us. He passed away almost 30 years ago now. Don't say that because he passed away on my birthday. I mean, I'm not the year I was born. I just saw. <laughs> Um, also in this article, it does say that Publix has had 
some issues in the past regarding its hiring of women and mistreatment of LGBTQ plus employees. Yes, I think it said only 14% of the company's management uh, were That's, women, but that was in 1990. It's 1990, so I'm sure so that that number has ago. changed, but yeah. still of note. 2014, a gay employee told the New Times that he had been denied bereavement leave when his partner of 33 yeah. years passed away. Yeah, they do seem kind of like Chick Fil A, right? Like they're a, or Hobby yeah. Lobby. They're like this an paragraph, old style family yeah. corporation. This paragraph, I think, um, from the Miami New Times, that Publix is an inextricable part of the Florida experience. Sometimes it's hard to put a finger on exactly what has endeared it to locals. Perhaps it's the white and green color scheme, which has been in the peripheries of most Floridians all their lives. Perhaps it's the goodwill garnered by nearly a century of providing stock to staff. Hey, maybe it's the food. We didn't really talk about the food at all. You like their subs. Their food's good quality. Pub subs are great. Yeah. Mm, they serve a great But it is this writer's opinion that the philosophy of kindness and fairness on which the business was founded is what keeps Floridians believing that shopping at Publix is a pleasure. This is written by a historian. Yeah, a Miami historian specifically. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that little history lesson. It's a massive company now. They do like $38 billion of revenue oh, a year. Sure. How many locations? Traded on the stock exchange. How many locations do they have? Over yeah. 1,100, I believe. 1,100 to 1,300, something like that. Okay. Yeah, they're a massive company now. All they're right. like the biggest chain in the southeast right there you go my turn your turn go ahead um okay my last little interest of the week i have been playing this new cozy game uh it's a computer game i played on my mac called storyteller um it came out in march of this year um it's a cozy game which if you don't know what a cozy game is it's a genre of games that is like very low stakes. There's normally like, there's not really a way you can lose. Some may not even call them games, but I disagree, but they're very much like puzzle driven, like strategy thinking, like they're nonviolent. There's not, um, like I said, low stakes. There's no like stress pressure. Um, there's not a lot of like setbacks. Yeah. Like, difficult obstacles put in your way but this game i've been playing i love a good cozy game i've been playing cozy games for like the last six months which is not that long for how long compared <laughs> to how long i've been playing a lot of people have been playing games but you don't like cozy games you don't play cozy i games. don't like cozy games specifically but, because there's no violence or setbacks oh my god can you imagine so this game called Storyteller, you are given a prompt, a sentence, uh, sort of like a plot line that you have to make happen with the tools that you are given. Um, some examples of the prompts are um, like, the queen saves the prince from the witch and you have to make that happen. Or the mirror falls in love with all the characters. So like, then you have the sentence or the prompt at the top. And then you have like four to six storyteller boxes where you have to make that plot line happen with the tools that you're given. It's like a, it's almost like a storyboard, right? Yeah. yeah. Like That's a, exactly what it's like. Yeah. And you are given, um, things that you can do actions and then you are given characters. So actions can be like disguise, uh, push off a cliff, uh, fall in love, get married, revive, kill, 
poison like those are all the ones and then you have all the characters like the queen and the prince and the mirror and uh, it's like drag and drop the witch yes it's drag and drop um it sounds simple is it a lot of content like is there a lot i'm about 50 percent of the way through and i've probably put in like four hours of gameplay okay Uh, the one complaint that i have been reading because i've been reading the reviews is that it is this is a common complaint I've found among cozy games is they are pricey for how much gameplay they have, meaning the hours that you can play them before you finish the arc of the story. This one was like $15 and people say it takes them like eight hours to play, which is lining up with how I'm doing so far, which makes me feel very average. Um, but I love it. And I wanted to bring it up today because I don't know if you've noticed this, but Netflix has gotten into the mobile gaming um I have not. Really? If you go on your Netflix app on your phone, there is a section now where there are mobile games. You don't have your phone here. And Storyteller is the latest game that will be added to the Netflix mobile game series in September. So you're going to so get it'll it for be, free? Then? It'll be free for all. It's a different, I think it's a different arc. It's, it'll be different stories. It won't be the same ones that I've been playing. Um, but it'll be free to all Netflix subscribers. So if you're angry about having to pay an additional fee... For the Wi-Fi, not having, not using your Netflix account or having multiple users on your Netflix account, this is a way to make uh, up for Can it. I get games on my Netflix app? Let me see. Yeah, it should be on your... Is it a, maybe a separate app? No, it's not. It's on my main thing. It's on my main Netflix page. I never, yeah, I right n- here. I never use the Netflix mobile so, app. So, look, look, look. Scroll down, and then it's like, you know, they have their categories, reality trending, and then they have mobile games. And you can go through them and click them. They're like all different kinds of games. They have a too hot to handle game. Yep. They wow. have like murder, crime stories you solve. SpongeBob, Transformers, TNT. Sonic, Solitaire. I play Solitaire again. The one thing I will say is um, These look it prompts you to download a different app. It's not within the Netflix app. So you do have to download a different app, but it's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's so like I have the solitaire one downloaded. I play the that Queen's a lot. Gambit Chess. Okay, this is interesting. Mobile gaming's huge. I know. So I'm excited for it to come to Netflix because then I can play it for free. I love anything that's free. Are and you are you satisfied with the price? I mean, most cozy games are between ten and twenty dollars. That's to be expected. I they're usually made by like really small, small development. Yeah, that's teams. the other thing. They're made by Independent very developers. This one started. Storyteller has been in development for over a decade. Like the guy developed it. It won a couple awards. He never actually put it out. He put it down for a couple of years and then came back to it and re and actually released it to the public in March of this year, I think. Um, but yeah, like all these cozy games are made by these super small developers, so they don't. I, I don't necessarily feel. Like I'm being duped or something when I pay $15 to play something for eight hours. But I also equate it to like, what's my cost per hour that I'm playing and how, and like, you know, I compared to like, we're going to go to Top Golf and I'm going to pay way more money for the same amount of hours. Yeah, but you get to play real for golf. less hours. Yeah, true. But I'm just like trying to compare it to like something else in my life. Like well, this is something. Com- well, yeah, that's the thing. I, I enjoy. I compare it to like Call of Duty, right? Like yeah. That, well, that so really, that game is like what really played that. So like so your games, the non cozy games, mm-hmm. real video games, full of violence, blood, murder. Well, I guess Storyteller has murder too. <laughs> you like push people off cliff, but cost like what? 
what is an average like hundreds of billions of dollars? I well, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what do you pay for it? Like seventy dollars, right? Seven sixty to eighty dollars. So your cost per hour of gameplay mm-hmm. is way less than mine. Very low. It's like a couple cents, right? Like, yeah. But your games are made by huge studios, massive teams, and massive marketing teams like mm-hmm. that push it out. So that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And I they're probably made by people like they're the people who make your games, right? But they yeah. just like make your games on the side for fun, right? Yeah, it's like what they're actually passionate right. about. Right. So my so yeah, I mean, I'm happy with it. I really love the game. I'm excited to finish it. I'm excited for it to go. Are there to like recurring characters? Do they, like, there are there, some, yeah, and that's the other thing is do like, they have like names or are they just like the prince queen? Like, some people, some have names. There's Isabel and can't remember anyone's name. Um, there are reoccurring characters, but like they don't go, you're not following one big storyline. Like each individual prompt is its own storyline. Um, but the different chapters you get, as you go through the different chapters, you get into different, um, you go, you have different tools and the storylines change and you get new characters. So like, you're never like bored or like, it's never, it always takes me a significant amount of time to figure out how to, um, complete the prompt. Do they get more elaborate as you go on? Yeah. Like more boards or. I mean, it started with four and now I'm at six and you don't always have to use them. And then sometimes it'll be like, um, the queen is murdered and then it'll say, you complete that prompt and then I will give you a second optional prompt. That's like, but it can't be, but then she's brought back to life and then you have to figure out how to bring her back to life in that mm-hmm. same amount of storyboard. Interesting. Anyway, I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba. Yeah. I was just going to do that. Uh, it sounds like an interesting game. I saw you play it a little bit. It seems interesting. I like it. Okay. What do we, um, what's happening on what's hap- What are we doing together? <laughs> Shared interest of the week. I have one and you have one. You also have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, Last night, so Hosier, which is the correct pronunciation of his name. I looked it up to double check. Is his first name Andrew? His first name is Andrew. Hosier is like his middle name or his mom's maiden name or something. Like it's it's part of his name. It's not his last name. I just thought it was his last name. I think it might be his last name, but I think he has a hyphenated name. That's not the point. His new album dropped yesterday. His... Unreal Unearth. Yes, that's the name of it. Much anticipated third studio album. This is only his third album, and he's been Mm -hmm. on the scene since 2014. Ten years now. We've listened to it three times now. Thrice. Twice last night, once this morning. Um, And we were discussing it. I love it. Hosier never disappoints me. Uh, I really think he puts together a great album that when you listen to it in order it's it's just always good music that you can count on do you want to say something All i was gonna say it's <laughs> he's always well crafted you yeah. can tell it takes a long long time to yep. make he's like christopher nolan so i did some research because i wanted to know like i said to you when we were listening to this yesterday he always has Lit- a lot of literary, historical, mythological references. Gothic references. like. And I was like, he must do so much reading. He always has these super intricate references. Mm-hmm. So I was looking up reviews. Most people, it was very well reviewed by most critics. Like four out of five stars. Um, if they gave it a rating. What uh, it, Did the, internet, the internet's most famous music nerd, Anthony Fantano, review it yet? I don't know. Do you want me to look it up? Yeah, sure. 
Um, You'll recognize him when you see him. Um, I liked the album. I thought it was good. Nice. I wish it were maybe a little bit more upbeat and rock and roll, but he has not reviewed it yet, and I don't okay. recognize him. Um, he does rap music mostly, but but I wanted to know what Hosier's inspiration was for this album. Um, and there was one. I don't know if this is a this is like a book or like just a story that's been told multiple times through like mythology and stuff like that. But like a folk tale. It is heavily inspired by Dante's Inferno. And the Nine Circles of Hell. Oh, yeah. Um, he spent much of the pandemic reading... You don't know that book? No, I do know that. It's a book. Yeah. I, yeah, I've heard of it, but I didn't know if it was like a book or just like a mythological story that's been told many times from many perspectives. Um, he read the poem Metamorphoses, Metamorphoses by Ovid. Not familiar to me. Which chronicles the history of the world from its creation to the deification of Julius Caesar. Um, and this is from the Evening Standard. His song Francesca on the album was about Francesca de Romini, who was murdered by her husband in the 13th century for having an affair with his brother, who Dante shows residing in the second circle of hell for the lustful. I've never read Dante's Inferno either. His, uh, another song called Unknown slash Nth. Nth, to the nth degree. Is a devastating breakup song in any context, but Hosier gives it an overpowering weight by placing it in the ninth circle for treachery and addressing a former level, former lover who has pieces of his heart still stuck in their teeth. Let me pull up the track list. I want to pull up the track list. Isn't that crazy? I didn't even, see, this is why I, We've listened to it three times. I need to listen to it and like while looking di- at the once lyrics. Once you discover the literary references. Oh, my God. Look at that animation. Yeah. Yeah, the album cover is wild. It's like just his face covered, buried in dirt, and so you just see his lips and teeth, and then in his teeth, there's like a little bit of dirt in his teeth, and there's... Yeah, it looks like he's holding like a chewed a chocolate bar or something. A white flower. What do you think that flower is? A daisy? Um, it looks kind of small to be a daisy. It's yeah. like a small white flower with a yellow center. Um, Very hosier, though. So there's 16 tracks. Mm-hmm. And you think, I wonder if it like progresses from the first circle of hell to the second, to the yeah. third, to the fourth, to the fifth, to the sixth, to the seventh, to the eighth, to the ninth. Interesting. Uh, it might be. Well, which one did I say was about the ninth circle of hell? Is the it, 15th is, track. Oh. Unknown okay. nth. But he, he's he been doing a lot of promotion on different shows, and he was on, um, he was reading out some tweets for some media brand of people talking about Hosier in general, people that have tweeted about him, and I thought that some of these were funny, so I'm going to read them to you. Okay. Hosier said, I've never loved a darker blue than the darkness I've known in you, and you're texting me, what are you doing? Hosier is a man who remembered how he has loved every woman in every past life. I'm convinced that he isn't mortal because no mortal man understands how it is to love a woman this way. Yeah. He, he's an incredible writer. He uh, like captures a feeling like no one else. Okay. He's awesome. Good album. Give I'm it a listen. Have, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to it a million times. Too. All right. We're going long, so go for it. 
This is a long one, but I got a quick story. So we're going to go to a farmer's market tomorrow. We are going to our farmer's market tomorrow. And First I, one we've been to together in Florida. In Florida, right? But we used to have a farmer's market that we would go to all the time in New York. Like on the Upper East Side. Once a week or so on the Upper East Side, right? I think it's right? uh, on 90th Street and First, nine, first and First Avenue. There's yeah. a really lovely, tiny little farmer's market. It's not tiny, but it's not big. Every Sunday through the summer, if you're in New York. It was every it, Sunday. Okay. Well, we get all our veggies Sunday. there. Um, I don't have the name of where we're going tomorrow, but I wanted to recount the history of farmers markets a little bit. So I was doing some research, and first off, I found that like they started started like the first farmers markets ever. Apparently, were along the Nile in ancient Egypt, where like farmers would bring their stuff there, and that's where they would all trade, etc. Mm-hmm. But as like the modern city came into being, like they kind of fell out of fashion, right, and became impractical. Kind of okay. um, as urban sprawl, like a bazaar. Bazaar is that what they're called? A bazaar? No, I would say a bazaar is not a farmer's market. A bazaar is for, I would say, more like spices, herbs, rugs, like linens, threads, dyes, Which stuff is like kind that. Of a modern farmer's market it has a lot of that stuff. I guess. Anyways, Along this farmer's price. market, the first one in America, is what this JSTOR article is about, okay. um, and it's about how. A lot of history in today's episode. Yes. Um, I don't know. I didn't. You said that it was, there was a lot happening in the news this week. I felt like it was kind of a slow news week. But I had a hard time selecting my stories, picking, um, narrowing it down. So this one, the first farmer's market apparently happened in America in 1943 in San Francisco, which is much later than you would expect, right? Um, yeah, but I feel like San, I would have guessed San Francisco somewhere in California. <laughs> yeah. Um, it feels very California. Yes. So it 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 had a lot to do with uh, World War Two, right? Okay. And canneries, right? Oh, interesting. We touched on canned food a little bit last week. Yes. Um, but this was about how you know canneries were like severely understaffed, and you know a lot of the industrial effort of the United States was put towards bullets and bombs, right? Um, and farmers out in rural California, rural upstate California, their food was just like rotting in their fields because they couldn't sell it and they couldn't get it. They couldn't get it into the cities. The cities were like 50 miles away because like they didn't know how to do that. They couldn't like just go to the street. And, There's like, no infrastructure to hawk, do such a thing. You know, pears. Yeah. I think there was actually an, an ordinance in California that said if you were a farmer, you could only sell your products on the public street for 30 minutes. And that's it. Oh, interesting. Um, but this guy, like, organized the first farmer's market. He, like, let this empty lot that was privately owned. He organized, like, he tried to get 100 farmers to come in from rural California to sell their goods. But only, like, five came. Yeah. But they, he was afraid that they were going to be robbed on their way. Like, the, the caravan was going to be, like, hit by robbers on oh, their way. Because okay. they had a bunch of fruit and everything. Yeah. It was mostly California pears, and okay. they brought them all in from outside the city, and they sold them for, like, five times the price. They were, like, sold out in two hours. They sold them for five times the price they would have to the canneries, right? And they made a ton of money, and then mm-hmm. the, that was, like, on a Saturday, and then Sunday, 30 farmers came, right? Oh, wow. And then, like, the next weekend, 100 farmers came. Mm-hmm. Weekend after that, 300 farmers came. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still going today. Biggest, biggest farmer's market. At the time, like a couple years after this one was started and established, um, there were only, they did a survey of farmer's markets across America and there were only six in California. 
How many do you think there are now in in the United States? Oh, two thousand. Let's see. I don't know. Oh. I'm, I'm asking this question. Um, something that just ended the other day. I'm really bad at guessing. It used to be numbers. last week was uh, National Farmers Market Week. It was. Yeah. It was National Farmers Market Week. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can find this. From just under 2,000 in 1994 to more than 8,600 markets currently registered wow. today. Okay, so I guess the right number in... 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that's interesting. We're going to go... Uh, hopefully, there's going to be some wild citrus down there that we can pick up. I wild was, citrus? Not wi- like wild isn't crazy. Not Oh, wild. you mean like... Citrus that we can only get down here. That we have yet to try. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I was thinking that it's about to start like apple and pumpkin season up north, and that's a big I part of our about that too. history. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to... Um, Do some apple picking? I don't think any farmers are selling pumpkins down here. I don't even know if they would grow in such intense heat and humidity. I don't uh, think so either. But I want to get a pumpkin and carve it, because that's probably the only thing that's going to make it feel like fall down here. To yeah. me, we can get a, I bet pub, a Publix. Publix will have we'll a whole big old bin of them, mm-hmm. and we'll have to carve them. I did see that um, they are starting up the Keen Pumpkin Festival again. Really? Mm-hmm. Is it actually starting? Or? I think they're probably starting small. Okay, we'll see. Good luck. Yeah. Maybe that'll be a story in the fall. Are you going to share this um, riveting farmer's market history with everyone tomorrow? <laughs> uh, we'll go stand know. to stand. Maybe. Yeah. I'll be like, did you guys know where the avocados? Did you know that the (laughs) original farmer's market was actually mostly selling pears? Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. That's That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Same time next week. Bye. Bye.